Good morning. How's everyone today? It's good to see you guys. It's a blessing if you're a guest here. Uh, it's a blessing to us that you're here. And uh, whether you're here because family's getting baptized or you just decided to come to church today, it is our true honor to have you here today, and we appreciate that. Um, we have been in a series. This is actually the fifth week of a series called Going In. And uh, the terminology going in is a, is a younger generation terminology, which means... Uh, it carries the idea of uh, going all in, going all out, giving your, your greatest of efforts, um, um, things of that nature where you're just, you're just giving everything you can uh, or approaching something with unparalleled fervor is another way to describe it. So um, we want to see the body of Christ believe God's promises and not let anything block them from walking into, stepping into God's promises. And therein lies the the reason why we did this series going in. Um, I want to share a quick personal story before I get started here. I'm holding here a a long time, very long time family recipe. In fact, this this is a copy of a copy, you know, handwritten copies. We used to have one from my mom, which for years, I'm the youngest of nine, uh, and for years and years and years, she used to make this, this recipe in our family. It's a family recipe, and it's called Peebus. Now, most of you probably have never heard of that title or that name of, uh, uh, it's actually a cookie. You probably heard it referred to as like boiled cookies, or there might be some other names I just don't know about. No bake, okay, yep, and and so, uh, but it's been a very precious family recipe. I remember my mom giving the recipe that she had to my wife, and and uh, she not only has recipes from my mom, but she also has recipes from her mom and her grandmother and her aunt, and like these family recipes are are special. They're precious because uh, they they allow us to carry on a tradition that has been established in our family, and and you always get the best of the best, you know. Like, this is grandma's recipe for whatever, you know? Uh, I know one of my favorite recipes that my mom used to make was macaroni and cheese. Uh, and my wife uh, inherited that recipe. I think she has since tweaked it a little bit. But macaroni and cheese is one of my favorites, you know? And to learn how to do that as a young couple and make that uh, as a young couple is a big deal. And today I want to talk to you about, as, we, as we're in this series called Going In... Uh, the message title is The Family Recipe. And as I was, discover, as I was uh, reading and searching the scriptures recently this week, I found a recipe that I feel is so vital to each and every one of us. I have no idea why it didn't slap me in the face years ago. Uh, but I felt like God gave me great revelation about this passage that we're going to cover in Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. Um, the basis of the series going in is when God set the Israelites up to go into the promised land. And so God had every intention. He made promises for hundreds of years. Abraham, the, all the forefathers, uh, to go in. He said, I have a land that is flowing with milk and honey that I'm going to take you into. You're going to be able to, to come into cities that you did not establish. You're going to live in houses that you did not build and eat from vineyards that you did not plant. This is going to be a good thing. And so he, he's been telling them for years that this, this land is ready to go. And um, 
he delivers them from Egypt. They were under 400 years of oppression in Egypt. And, and now they're traveling from Egypt directly, pretty much directly to the promised land. And he has them on the edge of the promised land. And he directs Moses, send 12 spies into the promised land to just survey the land, get a fit, uh, just determine, is, is this land really flowing with milk and honey? Is this a great place? Is it all that God promised it would be? And, and so they go in, and they're there for 40 days, and they come back, and they say, surely this land is flowing with milk and honey. It is amazing. They brought back some fruit. They had to, they had to have two men carry uh, the vines of grapes and figs and things of that nature that they took from the land. It was a great report from that regard, but there was a bad report associated with that good report. And the bad report was this. There's giants in there. And those giants are, I mean, they, they make us feel like grasshoppers. That's how big they are. And they're numerous. And they're way too strong and powerful for us. So uh, these 12 spies come back. Ten of them have this bad report. Two of them believe that God still can give them the land that he promised to them. So, so that's where I'm going to pick up the story. And I want to start off on the back end of the story. After that report was delivered in Numbers chapter 14, verses 22 to 25, this will lay the foundation for our message for the next few minutes here. In Numbers chapter 14, this is, this is after the report is given. Um, God gets upset with them because really they're at a point, these people, the Israelites, two million or so in number, um, this bad report spread to all of them, and they're crying, they're whining, and they're saying things like this. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go to, back to our, the place of slavery. In fact, why don't we find a leader? Can we appoint a leader that will take us back to that place? Because we had it better there. We're going to die. Our kids are going to die. We'll have no, uh, no descendants if we try and take this land. So God gets upset with them. Moses intercedes for them. Um, God decides to change his mind, which is amazing. And this is where we pick up the story. God is upset still. This is God speaking. Not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land, I promise. Not one of them. So here's this promise, okay? This is going to be very applicable to our lives. God makes this promise. The people fail to believe him for it. And now the promise won't be fulfilled for their, in their lives, in their kids' lives. He said, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But, and you got to love the buts in the Bible. But... Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. This thing was just eating, it away, eating away at me this week. My servant Caleb has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly. So we've got to figure out what that all means. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. <clears throat> so we have this grouping of people that are missing out on a promise of God. A vast majority and one person here of the two million people at this point is mentioned as inheriting this promise. One person because he has a different spirit and he follows the Lord wholeheartedly. One person is going to inherit the promise at this point. 
Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow, set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. We're going back to the desert, people. Not us. But that's, that's if you were an Israelite that day, you're going to get what you were asked for. What you asked for. What, uh, you know, you're going to miss out on the promise. I don't know anyone in this room that would want to miss out on the promises of God. Very early on in my, in my uh, Christian journey, I was asked the question. I was sitting in a group uh, of men. There's probably 10 to 15 there. And the open-ended question was this. What is your greatest fear related to this Christian faith? And mine was to miss out on the things that God has for me. That was my response. To miss out on the things that God has for me. And, and I still feel that today. That's still just beating in my chest today. I, I want to be able to walk into everything that God has made available to me. Everything that God has promised me. And I want the same for you. I want the same for your lives. So, so we see this big grouping of people that missed out on the promise. And we see this one, actually it ends up being two people, Caleb and Joshua, that end up walking into the promise that God made. So we've got to figure out the family recipe. What does it mean to have a different spirit? What does it mean to follow God wholeheartedly so that we can let nothing block us from God's promises? We, we, we want to step into everything that he has made available to us. Um, you know, Caleb was different, and we see that. He had a different spirit. This is God speaking. Caleb has a different spirit. Now, it's interesting because he was selected as one of the 12 leaders of Israel to go into the promised land, and yet he was different than them. He was not only different than his fellow Israelites, he was different than the Canaanites, the people whose land they went to spy out. And a different spirit means that you're not like everyone else. You can look around you in this room today. Not everyone has a different spirit. Not everyone will walk into God's promises unless they choose to allow God to change who it is that they are. And so even amongst Christians, not everyone has this different spirit. And, and so the second phrase, he follows me wholeheartedly, is a very powerful phrase. In fact, six times in the scriptures, we find these words or similar words tied to Caleb. He's a guy that follows me with his whole heart. He has a wholehearted uh, approach to pursuing me. This is Caleb. So, so he has a different spirit and he follows the Lord wholeheartedly. That, that wholeheartedly literally means that he was filled with pursuing. He was filled with pursuing God. He was filled with pursuing the things of God. This is, this is the thing in his heart. Wholeheartedly, that was his pursuit, is pursuing God and the things of God. This is Caleb, a different spirit and a wholehearted pursuit of God. Um, so, so he was set, his heart was set on following God and left no room for any other choices. And so if we have a different spirit, I want you to see in this passage that I just shared with you, if we, if we let, me, let me just actually flip it. If we don't have a different spirit, there is a great impact. There's a great impact on our Christian journey. That means that there's a, there's a potential that we don't walk into the promises, that means that there's a potential that we don't live the life that God has called us to live. 
That means that there's a potential that generations after us are impacted by our decisions today. And we see this in the Israelites. Listen, that whole generation wandered in the desert for 40 years. When they all died off, the next generation were able to come in. Now, I want my kids to be able to stand on my shoulders. I want them to to take the faith that I've taught them and lived and go further than I've gone. But what happened to that next generation is they had, to, they had to be the starting point for entering the promised land. They had to be the starting point for taking the, the ground from the, the giants and all of the, all of the people that occupied that land. It was really meant that the parents, it was God's intention that the parents were to take that land and the next generation would reap the benefits of their parents' efforts. But it didn't happen that way. And so what I'm trying to say is this, is if we don't have a a different spirit that God's referring to here, and if we don't have uh, uh, the kind of pursuit of God, a wholehearted pursuit of God, there is the potential that we will miss out on the promises that God has made for us. And so none of us want to do that. I mean, is there anyone who wants to miss out on the promises in this place today? I don't think so. so. So let's look at the recipe that we see in Caleb's life. I mean, Caleb's amazing. This guy is amazing. He, we don't even see his name mentioned prior to this chapter. Actually, uh, Numbers chapter 13, when the 12 spies were selected. He was one of the leaders of the 12 tribes. His name is not even mentioned prior to that, as far as I could see. Uh, and, and yet six times he's mentioned from uh, Numbers 13 and 14 and Joshua 14 and 15 Six times, this is the guy that follows me wholeheartedly. That's him right there. He follows me wholeheartedly. And so I want to be that kind of guy. I want us to to be that kind of people. And I I want to look at uh, what it means to have a different spirit. So actually, let me just give a disclaimer right now. When I refer to that phrase, a different spirit, I'm also referring to a person that pursues God wholeheartedly, just so I can save us time and I don't have to keep saying the same thing over and over again. So just think in that context. But I want to start off by saying this, what a different spirit is not. I want to define or at least address what a different spirit is, but let's start off by saying what a different spirit is not. First of all, a different spirit is not anything you could do in your flesh. There were 12 leaders in these tribes that were selected. Let me just tell you something. You are not going to select a lazy, casual, non-passionate, no-skilled, no-talent, no-intelligent leader to send into the promised land. You're going to select the best of the best, aren't you? At least I would. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to select someone who brings nothing to the table. So in the, in the natural, they, they had a lot to bring to the table in my mind, Right? They were the best of the best. They stood out. They brought everything to the table, and they were sent in. So a different spirit is not comprised of the things that you could bring to the table in the flesh, in my, in my opinion. It, it, it's comprised of something that only God can do. It, it's a supernatural thing as opposed to a natural thing. So, so we need to get out of our mind, I don't qualify because, you know, I, just, I don't bring enough to the table to make a difference. I don't bring enough to the table to to have a different spirit. I mean, these are talented, qualified, well-trained, well-educated people. The reality is that does not qualify you to have a different spirit. Those kind of people can have a different spirit, but that is not the qualification to have a different spirit. 
So, so it's not about external strength, talent, giftedness, zeal, or determination. Those are not the things that God is looking for. These things can't be manufactured. So it's not about the flesh. It's not from the flesh. The second point uh, of what a different spirit is not, it is not about your personality. You know, some, think, some people think type A personality, automatically a leader. Well, let me just tell you something. You can have any kind of personality and have a different spirit. It's not about the personality that you carry. So, so someone, uh, type A personality, someone who moves forward with their own vision and ambition, they're driven, they're, they're, they're uh, powerful, they're aggressive. Listen to me. If this were the case, the 10 spies would have gotten the job done. So, so my position is this. A different spirit is something that is not natural, but is of God and is not, you, you can have, you could be an extrovert, an introvert, you could be any other type personality and still have a different spirit. So that brings us all into the place where we can enter into the place of God's promises. Amen? So, so let's just talk about what a different spirit could be, or at least the traits of a different spirit. And we're going to use the scriptures in these passages to, to talk about this. So if Caleb was of a different spirit, if he pursued the God, God wholeheartedly, in fact, you won't find in the Bible anyone else in the entire Bible referred to as a person who has a different spirit. That's intriguing to me. And that's powerful. And I just love Caleb so much. I mean, he just he comes on the scene. He's not around much, but what he does, he just rep- to me, he represents an ordinary, everyday person who stepped into God's promises when everyone else couldn't. And that's how I look at us. Like, we can walk into everything that God has made available to us. Everything. And we can be ordinary, everyday people and see God's promises fulfilled. We can see him use us mightily, supernaturally, powerfully, transforming people's lives, transforming um, our neighborhoods and our homes. And wherever God sends us, we can be used by God. So, so a different spirit. Here's, I've got four points that I'll, I'll go through rather quickly. But I, I have four things that I think I, I see as traits of a person who has a different spirit. We see these all in Caleb. A different spirit sees situations through the lens of what God has said. A, different, a, a person with a different spirit is able to see things through the lens of what God has said. And I want to take you to Numbers chapter 13. And it says this in verse 30. It says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. This is is coming on the heels of the report that we can't do it. Uh, The ten spies are saying, These people are way too powerful for us. And yet Caleb is looking through God's eyes or some lens that some supernatural lens of faith that God gave him to say, wait a second, we can do this. You see, he wasn't looking at the natural where there's giants. He was looking at the God, uh, uh, the God who was bigger than the giants they faced. So uh, Caleb is he comes on the scene. He distinguishes himself by the report that he gave. That passage goes on to say this. But the men who had gone up 
with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. So, So Caleb saw something different. Of the 12 that went in there, Caleb saw something different than the other 10 that came with a bad report. Joshua was the other one that came with a good report. But his eyes were able to see something that the others couldn't see. You see, the others were looking in the natural, and Caleb's looking at what God could do because he made a promise. And so, so Caleb views the situation through the perspective of what God has said. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, a very, uh, very common verse that many of us have heard says this, for we live by faith, not by sight, right? So, so Caleb's exhibiting this, this, this faith. He's saying, you know what? I see what everyone else sees, but that still doesn't change what I believe today. You know, I, I see that people around me are depressed. I see that sickness is coming on my body. I, I see that things look bleak as it relates to my job or my finances or my marriage or relationships. But you know what? That's what I see. But this is what God said. Are, are you getting the difference? There's, there's a difference between what we see and what faith clings to. Faith clings to the promises of God. We find the promises of God in God's word. And so if we're not people of God's word, we're not going to really know what he's promised us, right? Because he does speak to us. He speaks, his word is speaking. It's alive and active. His word is alive. It speaks to us. And he also speaks to us and highlights, uh, highlights passages to us to, to make them personal for us. So, so there's a perspective that we have to get, and it's related to what God has said. So Caleb was able to hold on to what God had said. Now the others, they relied on what they saw. What God said didn't matter to them. I I, I know God's telling us he's going to bring us into the promised land. I, I know all this stuff. I know he delivered us miraculously from Egypt. I know he parted the Red Sea. I mean, we've just got to think back a little bit in our lives to say God has really been good to us. You know? I know he, he overwhelmed armies that he, uh, you know, in the natural, we wouldn't have been able to overwhelm to bring us to this place where we're on the edge of the promised land. But that doesn't matter. There are giants over there. And so they're looking with these natural eyes at the problem instead of the promise. And they got hung up there. And you know, when a, you know, people are just, just human nature is we want to spread bad news. Did you hear what's happened to so-and-so? Did you hear what she said? It's it just human nature. When we let the flesh get involved, that is like the prominent news of the day, you know? But the good news is this. God made a promise. And there was a man that came out of that, that, uh, that promised land with good news to say, listen, I believe that he can surely take us in. So the circumstances of facing giants could not move Caleb from the promises that he heard. The ten spies were afraid of the giants. Caleb was afraid of offending God. See, he had a relationship with God. A person of a different spirit has a relationship with God. The ten spies were influenced by what they saw, but Caleb was influenced by God's promise. See, that's where we need to land. A different spirit. We have a different source of influence in our lives. And the ten spies saw themselves as it relates 
to uh, giants. And they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And, and Caleb saw himself as one of the victors as God delivered them over the giants. And there's a different perspective. So you see, uh, people of a different spirit um, see situations through the lens of what God has said, not through what they see with their natural eyes. That's the first point. The second point is this. A different spirit has the courage to stand for what was right. I want to be very careful how I talk about this point. Because I know there's, other, there's people, well-meaning people that hurt people for standing in their mind for what is right. But let's just talk about Caleb for a minute, and then I'll talk about my, my point, the point that I just made. We saw in our last passage that, that Caleb, you know, here they are walking after 40 days of being in the land. I'm sure there was much discussion at that point. They're carrying the fruit of the land, grapes, figs, pomegranates, all this wonderful fruit. They saw the giants. They saw the land. I'm sure there's discussion, and the discussion is stuff like this. Those giants are big. You think we could take them? No, I don't think we could take them. But God, yeah, but I know, but God, but those giants are big. And there's this discussion going back and forth. I, I mean, that's in my mind. That's how I see it. Caleb, in the end of it all, stood up and said, listen, we can do this. And sometimes we just need, actually, we just need to be people that stand for what is right. Those are the kind of people that have a different spirit that believe God no matter what. It's not a popularity contest. You might lose friends. Family may no longer talk to you. You know, it, it, may, it may cost you something to stand for what is right. And Caleb weighed that cost. It was not popular. In fact, two million people turned against him. They wanted to stone he and Joshua. It got bad very quickly. And we don't know what kind of standing he had before that before that event or these events that I'm talking about. But it changed quickly. He became a very unpopular man. And yet he chose to stand. He counted the cost and he chose to stand in the midst of all of this to stand for what is right. A different spirit that says, I don't care. I don't care the way everyone else is going. Like all of his fellow Israelites were turning. They had walked through the Red Sea. You know, They had been a part of this land Goshen that was protected miraculously from all of the plagues that were happening next door to them in Egypt. I, I mean, imagine locusts and flies and uh, all, the wild, uh, all the wild stock or all the animals dying, and yet this land is just supernaturally protected. They saw, they'd lived through that. These are the people that walked through the, the Red Sea on dry land. They were about to stone Caleb and Joshua over these giants. It's crazy. So, so Caleb took a stand, uh, even when it was unpopular. He didn't back down along with Joshua to make that stand. Now, let me tell you this. Now, now let me switch from that. that. I believe that is a trait of a different spirit. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to live for what's right and what's true. I'm going to stand for the truth. Now, let me, let me bring in the other element which I introduced a few minutes ago, and that was this. Sometimes well-meaning people who have a lot of truth in them hurt people by their approach to sharing that truth. We've had people walk out of this church by well-meaning Christians 
Because those well-meaning Christians said things, but they weren't received or perceived that they were being received in love. And so it says of Jesus that he was full of grace and truth. He didn't just bring the truth. You know, people can't handle just straight up truth. There's got to be love tied to it. That's why Paul writes to the Corinthians. He said, you could, you could have all these gifts. You could, you could be operating in all these powerful uh, miracles, healing, signs, of one, all this stuff. But if you don't have love, you're like a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. And so when I say that people of a different spirit, are, uh, are, they have courage to stand for what is right, we need to mix in this love thing. Now let me tell you about Caleb. Caleb and Joshua, they, as, uh, as the people were getting that bad report and all of this murmuring and stuff was rising up among the people, Caleb and Joshua, Joshua were brokenhearted. They tore their clothes they, went into, they began praying for the people of Israel. And to me, that is a symbol of love. It wasn't like, you're wrong, I'm right, you need to get this right, you need to talk like this, you need to dress like this, you need to stand for this. No, they were brokenhearted over the fact that the people were being misled by something that God did not say. And so we as people here, we're a family and we need to be very careful how we talk to people. Not everyone is at the same place that we're at. And what makes total sense to us may not make total sense to them. And they may walk out of the doors and we won't have the ability to influence them ever again. And so we need to be very careful. The Bible says that uh, if we are quick to listen and slow to speak, that positions us to be in a good place to represent Jesus. And when we speak, our, our, our speech should be seasoned with grace. I love that. I love that phrase that Paul uses, seasoned with grace. You don't, most of us don't eat a lot of meats unless it's seasoned because it adds flavor to it. It helps us uh, enjoy it more. And so when you've got something to say, when you can speak it in love, seasoned with grace, it's powerful. And, and another aspect of it is, relationally, we have more ability to speak into somebody's life when we're connected to them in relationship. If I just walk up to someone I've never met before or, I, or I've never expressed interest in conversing with and all of a sudden I've got this harsh stuff to say to them, it's hard for them to receive. Whereas someone who's a part of their life, poured into their life, mentoring them, can say something very challenging to them, relationship builds that bridge so that we, we, can, we can share things we can share truth, and sometimes it's a hard truth, but there's still grace and there's still love tied to it. So a different spirit, a people of a different spirit, see things through the lens of what God has said, number one. Secondly, they are able to stand up and, and speak courageously for what is right. Here's the third point I want to make today. People of a different spirit, they look forward and not backward. And this is a powerful point. I really want you to get this. In Numbers 14.8, it says this. If the Lord is pleased with us, this is Caleb responding to all that mayhem, people wanting to stone them, people wanting to raise up a leader to take them back to Egypt, all this stuff. Peter, uh, Caleb, after he tears his clothes, he says this. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. You see, Caleb was a, a man of action. 
And, and he was still, even in the midst of all this craziness going around him, I mean, there, the, the glory of the Lord shows up. People are crying out. It was just a, it was a crazy, crazy time. You should read it. Uh, he's still looking forward. It amazes me. He was not influenced by people. He's like, the Lord will give it to us. You just got to see this. And, and so he's standing, looking forward, not backwards. Let me tell you something. When we live in the past, we forfeit our future. And many of us are still caught, even to this day, in the things of the past. And I'm not saying anything to minimize what you've gone through, but the reality is you cannot change one iota of what has happened to you in the past. God can bring healing to help you begin to face your future with confidence, with boldness, and with hope, and with faith that his promises are still available to you today. So we, we don't want to forfeit our futures. We can learn from the past, but we can't live there. You know, we can learn from the things that we've experienced. Some of us have made bad choices that have positioned us right now where we're at. Some of us, we, uh, you know, we're victims of, of other people's bad choices. Uh, but we can't live in the past because it causes us to forfeit our future. Paul said this very powerfully in Philippians chapter 3. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, there's a behind that he's talking about and then a pressing on that he's talking about. And he's saying, this is the one thing. If, there's, if I'm going to give you a piece of advice, forget that stuff and begin moving on toward what God has called you to do. What God has made available to you. So, so uh, a different spirit, people with a different spirit are the kind of people that can look forward and not backward in their lives. Now, let me just tell you something else about Caleb that I bet most of us don't know. I didn't know until this week. The name Caleb, it's in the Hebrew, it means dog. Now, that I, I actually, yeah, you can laugh, but it's not actually meant to be funny. Here's why. I mean, what if someone named you dog or pain in the butt or you know, unwanted, or whatever. I mean, there's something associated with the, the Hebrew names that were very powerful because typically people became what they were named. You know, Jacob, deceiver, liar, supplanter, right? God changed his name to Israel, father of many nations. God changed his name because Jacob was no longer that, Right? Here, Caleb, he's being, that just dog cannot be taken in a positive light, in my mind. And that could have hindered him from moving forward in life, right? And yet he overcame to the point of saying, I am looking forward. God has called us to accomplish great things. God has called us as a nation to take us somewhere and do great things in our lives. And I am not going to let my past, my experiences, what I've been called, what, what uh, labels have been put on me, hold me back. From that. That's Caleb. Interestingly, his father named his younger brother after their ancestors, Hunter. Caleb never lived as a dog. He never lived as a dog. And that's powerful. So, so he looked forward and not backward. Here's the final point I want to make regarding people of a different spirit. And that's this. A different spirit is patient regarding God's promises. No, I just did not swear at you. 
Some people hate that word patience, right? People of a different spirit are patient regarding God's promises. And the reality is some of us have been holding on to God's promises for a very long time. You know, some of us have been clinging to stuff and we're looking at it and it's like, I'm getting older, things aren't happening. Maybe that person who prophesied over me missed it. Maybe God's word is not true. Maybe God's a liar. He's not able to do what he's promised to do. But whatever the, whatever the end result is, I am not seeing that promise fulfilled. And that brings us to the place where the enemy just starts talking and talking and talking about how God's not going to do it. And then we, we get diverted in our focus and our ability to trust God and believe God for great things. And we lose focus of God's promises. I want to take you to Joshua chapter 14 to see the end of Caleb's life. This is 45 years later. You see, Caleb stood in the midst of a promise. He believed for a promise and it didn't happen. So that whole generation, he had to wait for that whole generation to die off. And for us, the promise could seem so far unreachable, uh, so long waiting that it's not going to happen. Check out Hebrews chapter 6. I love this passage. This is for us today. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who faith and patience, who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It takes faith and patience to be an inheritor of what God has promised. And it says this. Actually, I said I was going to take you to Joshua 14. I didn't even read that yet. Getting too excited. <laughs> Joshua 14, it says this. It says, now then, this is, uh, this is Caleb speaking, 45 years later. Now then, just as the Lord promised, you see how he's standing on that promise? He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country. Your translation may say, now give me my mountain. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. You see, Caleb at 40 years old was ready to drive out the giants. He wasn't able to because of the limitation of the belief of the people around him, but at 85 he drove them out. You see, you see, uh, uh, people of a different spirit, they're not going to give up. They're, they're not going to quit. They're, they're going to be patient with God's promises. Listen to me. He, at 85, he could have sat back and grabbed his grandchildren around him and tell them war stories. He could have told them about, you know, how this, this horrible generation, they all died off. They're unbelievers, unbelieving and all that stuff. Not this guy. He was patiently waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. And his strength had not diminished. He was still as resolute uh, on that day as he was 45 years prior to go in and take the land. And that he did. Now listen to me. Some of you are sitting on promises. You're frustrated. You're, 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 you're mad. Maybe there's some anger tied to it. The reality is God's promises are God's promises. He will fulfill them. 
He's not a man that he would lie. He's a good God. He is faithful. And, you know, patience is one of those things. It is actually a fruit of the Spirit. We need to learn some of that. We need to have the Holy Spirit work in us a little bit to teach us to trust God in the midst of the fact that things that we see are not changing. We need to trust him through that season. Now, um, Caleb kept on going. He kept, let me just tell you something about my perspective about Caleb. I think he's a hero. You won't find him even mentioned once in the New Testament, much less mentioned in the, in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He, he's not considered a man of faith in Hebrews 11, although probably 30-some-odd people are mentioned there. Um, you, you probably won't get taught much about him in a Sunday school lesson if, you know, if your kids won't get taught much about, them, about him. But here he is, an ordinary, everyday guy, and he stood out somehow, some way, and he believed God in a supernatural way. He had a different spirit. He followed God wholeheartedly, and he was able to see the promise that God made fulfilled in his life. What does this mean for us? The reality is where we stand with God, where we stand with our ability to trust God, and where we stand with our view of our circumstances will determine if we are able to step into the promises of God. You see, God's God's promises are conditional. Many of them are. His love isn't. But, you know, like if you look at Deuteronomy 28, there's blessings and curses. He's like, he desires to bless his people. But if they don't obey him, they fall under the curses. And in many ways, the promises of God are conditional. We, we need to apply faith. Faith is the bridge to the promises of God. I don't, I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know what uh, promises that you're ready to step into. I don't know what... Um, you know, what you've been hoping for in your life. But the reality is God is faithful. And he is raising up. Listen to me. This is the thing that I find profound. For years and years and years in Christianity, this is what was said. He's raising up a Joshua generation. Right? Joshua went into the promised land. He was the general. He was the leader. He led the Israelites into the promised land. But it's the Caleb's who made it possible. And Caleb's are people of a different spirit. And they follow him wholeheartedly. That's the kind of person I want to be. The person who is a different... I'm not like everyone else, you know? There may be people that are Christians that love Jesus around me. But I want to have a different spirit. One that clings to the promises of God even when it looks impossible. One that uh, uh, believes God and is able to stand up for what is right in my generation. That's the kind of generation I believe God is trying to raise up. That's the kind of church I believe God is trying to raise up in this place. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we close in prayer today? A different spirit and people who follow God wholeheartedly. Let's pray together. Father, today, God, we stand, Father God. And I pray, Father, each and every person in this room today is standing, God, not only to close in prayer, but is standing in their heart of hearts and saying, you know what? I want that for my life. I want, I want that Caleb kind of spirit for my life, a different spirit, a wholehearted pursuit of who you are. And God, I, I pray that you lead us step by step along the way to, to follow you, to pursue you, to be different, to stand out in a crowd. God, to love God amazingly, passionately. Love others and love you, God. So here we are, God. We just present ourselves to you. Do a work in us and use us, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your patience with us 
As we, Lord, learn to be patient toward your promises, God, we thank you that you're patient towards us. And the Bible says also, God, that you are patient with us, Lord, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, God. And my prayer today is that any, if there's anyone in here in this room today, God, that does not know you, that has never given their lives to you, but they say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want, I want all the shame, all the guilt, all the junk of my past to be gone. I want a fresh start. And if that's you today, if you're here today, I would love for you to just come up and talk to me personally or one of these amazing people up here that is ready to pray for you. We would love to know that you are ready to give your life to Jesus. He is an amazing Savior. And I can't promise you a bed of roses by, by uh, inviting him into your life, but you know what? He is faithful. He'll stick with you. He'll forgive your sins. And you will be a different person because he came into your life. So I challenge you to do that today if you're here and you give, haven't given your life to Jesus. And for all the rest of us, Let's pursue being people of a different spirit. Amen? God bless you. We love you so much.